The Word of God reads, and remember for this series I've chosen to use the New Living Translation. At the same time, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit and he said, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father. And no one truly knows the Father except the Son. And those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then, when they were alone, meaning in their private setting, he turned to the disciples and said, Blessed are the eyes that see what you have seen. I tell you, many prophets and kings longed to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they longed to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. The Lord had blessing to the reading of his word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to see this day, to experience the things that we are experiencing and those things we are about to experience. We pray that you will help us to awaken in a sensitive manner as possible to the reasons why you're keeping us alive, why you're allowing us to be able to encounter the privilege of being in your presence. So we ask, dear Lord, that as we get these blessings from you, you will help us to commit, to run on, and to deploy for the sake of the kingdom in this year of harvest. We seek these blessings through Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, with thanksgiving. Amen. You may kindly be seated. In our continuing exploration of um, our theme for the year, which is community transformation, a call to harvest. We're covering part number five. And part number five focuses on accessing spiritual resources through the Holy Spirit. Accessing spiritual resources through the Holy Spirit. Last week, in part number four, as we were examining a fairly lengthy passage, verses six to 20, we concluded on the aspect of those key result areas that we focused on when we were looking at the do-it-yourself package that the Lord has brought to us. And those key result areas were, number one, the need to identify points to start a conversation or an activity. Number two, the need to see sustained action for maximum impact. As we observe that Jesus told them to stay in that one place and not to move from house to house. Very strange instruction, but now we understand that it really was conveying the fact that Jesus wanted to see sustained action for maximum impact. Thirdly, the need for them to stay on message. Jesus reminding him of the fact that they will, they will encounter so many circumstances, but the message was very simple. The kingdom of God has come near because of the arrival of those very disciples that Jesus had dispatched. And so the kingdom comes near when you arrive, wherever you arrive at, because God's presence is in your life. Hallelujah. Fourthly, we observed the key result area, which has to do with securing a decision. And we talked about the need for us to understand 
spiritual nature of the task that we have and that we have uh, opposition from the enemy, but victory is assured to us in Jesus Christ. And the main issue is not the fact that demons obey us, but that our names are written in the book of life, which means salvation is God's ultimate plan for mankind. So keeping those four very important things in mind, we progress today to verse number 21. Verse number 21 is a very rare record. Actually, the only such record in the gospel record, in the gospel uh, compilation, the only such record in the gospel compilation where there is a specific indication of Jesus having joy through the Holy Spirit. Or as other versions put it, joy in the Holy Spirit. Very rare. And it's important for us to note why, in particular, Luke would take that kind of care. This particular passage is paralleled in Matthew 11, verse 25 to 27. At least verse 21 to 22. They're paralleled in Matthew 11, verse 25 to 27. When you read the account of Matthew 11, everything else we see in Luke, is, Luke 10 is there, but you don't see the reference to joy in the Holy Spirit by Jesus. So this is a very rare one. Look at Matthew 25. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Exactly what is out there in Luke 10. Because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. But in Luke, this same account bears what I'm sharing with you as a rare indication that as Jesus spoke these words, he was filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. And as I studied these, these aspects, this is where the Lord um, helped me to see that um, I coined the subject for today's uh, message. How we can be able to access spiritual resources through the Holy Spirit. This rare record, in my understanding, is there because it is calling attention to the spiritual nature of our task. You see, as children of God, from time to time, we become so vulnerable to the temptation of familiarity with the things of God. Familiarity to the extent that we think these, these are things we can do anytime, anyhow, anywhere. And it's not so, beloved. While we've taken on this divine nature, we must understand that spiritually things are spiritually discerned. And there has to be a deliberate way by which we are conscious that we have been privileged with a spiritual life. Our task is spiritual. In light of that, there is need for us to learn how to cultivate a more intimate walk and relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. That is why for now and the next foreseeable future as POG Zambia, we have called attention to this fresh vision of spirit-empowered transformation. We are wanting to call fresh attention 
to the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We're not called Pentecostal just for a name. We are people who seek interaction with the Holy Spirit, special interaction with the person of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Pentecostal life is about. Somebody shout hallelujah. So there is need for you and I to yearn. When Sister Joy and um, the choir here were doing that special song, I'll make room for two. Just you and me, Jesus. You're all that matters. You're all that matters. You know, there is a, a place in that song that says, what would I do if I didn't have the Holy Ghost? If I didn't have the Holy Spirit? You are all that matters. He is all that matters. Through our lives, as children of God, we fall to this temptation and this vulnerability, which is a human thing, of making light of spiritual things and not realizing the potency that God has put inside us by privileging us to access spiritual resources through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when the Bible says Jesus was filled with joy in the Holy Spirit or through the Holy Spirit, that does mean that if you and I will position ourselves and consciously abase ourselves to the level of remembering that it is the spiritual work that we have and we need his Holy Spirit to work with us, our intimacy with God will grow. May that be your portion in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Our intimacy with God will grow. So I want to deliver these thoughts today under two key things which I want us to note. Number one, the blessing of joy in personal life. Number two, the privilege of revelation. So everything we're going to discuss will be under these two items. The blessing of joy in personal life and the privilege of revelation. Let's take a closer look at the first item. The blessing of joy in personal life. Look, as you know, or as, as in case you don't know, Luke, who brought to us the record that we are reading today in Luke 10, took very special note of the aspects of Jesus' life in his humanity as a servant, but Luke also took very special note of the operations of the Holy Spirit. That is why it shouldn't surprise you that it's in the book of Luke that we find the record of verse number 18, whereas Jesus picked up the scroll, he was able to go into the passage in Isaiah where he says, the Spirit of the Lord, capital S, is upon me. Luke takes very special note of those um, aspects of the Holy Spirit and his operation. So as we think about the blessing of joy in personal life, I want us to note that the Christian life is a growing spiritual experience, enriched by access, enriched by access to spiritual resources. And these spiritual resources become available purely by the courtesy of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Purely by the courtesy of the Holy Spirit. Let me take you to some supporting passages. In Romans chapter 14, for instance, 
verse number 17, we are told there that um, the kingdom of God is about righteousness. It is not a matter of what we eat or drink. So it's not just something fleshy or just a tangibility of the things that we, we touch. So he says, this is the possible in Romans 14, verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living, I like how this is expressed, a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom of God. For those of you who are older, there's a song that was popularized by uh, Ron Kenoli. Righteousness, joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. All right, I can see and I can hear that there are many of you who identify with that. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. That is the kingdom of God. So the spiritual life that God has privileged you and I with is extremely important for us to preserve. If you look at verse number 18 of Romans 14, it says, if you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God. And others will approve you too. Very simple. So we're given an opportunity to choose an approach towards life that enables us to actually advance very impactfully and very powerfully. The Christian life is a growing experience. So where am I today? By tomorrow, should show that I have taken a level higher. I've taken two. Let me put it that way. I've taken to a level higher. That's the Christian life. A growing experience enriched by access to spiritual resources. Which means, truly speaking, Christian life ain't boring, shouldn't be boring. People who don't understand the Christian life think it is boring. Why? Because they think it's a life of do's and don'ts. They say, you become a Christian, you don't do this, you don't do that, you don't do that. You don't. No, 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 that's not what it's about. You become a Christian, you have new life. It's not a takeaway. It's God giving you and I something we didn't have. We didn't have eternal life. When we become born again, we receive eternal life. And the presence of God in our lives comes with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But as Pentecostals, we also believe in the fact that subsequent to salvation, we experience the baptism in the Holy Spirit which enhances our sensitivity and our awareness to the operations of a person of the Holy Spirit. And I would like to encourage you in this year of harvest to begin to desire that. And we'll create lots of room but I also here in the church. But I also ask that you as believers, as you witness for Christ, you share the gospel, lead people to a place where they can yearn for the baptism of the Holy Spirit because we want a complete believer who understands the fact that there is more than we can ever imagine in the Lord. Somebody shout hallelujah. There is more. These are divine resources given to us by the Lord. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 5. It's very clear in showing the fact that when we come to Christ, he enables us to access divine resources. So verse number three, by his divine power, 2 Peter chapter one, God has given us 
everything we need for life or for living a godly life. We have received all this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous, marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. This is the life you and I have been called to. That's the reason why, emphasizing what we did last week, when you arrive, those who meet you are privileged. This is not to give you and I a snobbery attitude of looking down upon people. Uh -uh. This is to humble you and I to think that God has chosen you to be that privileged that you could actually be a blessing to someone else. You're a channel. Hallelujah. He has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you, oh my God, to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. So with this in mind, verse number five, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Hallelujah. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control. Self-control with patient endurance. Patient endurance with godliness. Godliness with brotherly affection. Brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you see, we can't end at just knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a growing spiritual experience enriched by access to these divine resources. So let's go back to the song of the choir. It says, I'll put you in front. In front of me, Jesus, in front of my melody, and joy added in front of my business, in front of, let's add, in front of my career. What will your marriage look like if you were able to access, deliberately access, this provision of the Holy Spirit? Some of the quandary that we are in either in business or in our marriage relationships or in other forms of relationships, social interactions. Some of that quandary and chaos is really because we do not take the time to truly allow the Holy Spirit to take charge, to take charge and supply what he is ready to supply. I can tell you from experience in 35 years of a love life, this precious, special soul here, called Gladys, Zemba, Mono, Banda, I can tell you that we have seen and experienced that joy of the Holy Spirit in a relationship that stays fresh when you allow God to come in. Hear me, beloved. I wouldn't talk about this if it wasn't real. But I can talk about it because we've experienced it. We were saying the other day, ah, 35 years. On 11th April, it shall be 35 years. And we're saying, it's like yesterday. But there's something fresh in this friendship. Something fresh. Something fresh. And that is something for every child of God. What will your business look like when you allow the Holy Spirit, you allow him to take charge? You, in that sense, are accessing divine resources. Joy will come. That is what will preserve you from beginning to desire the things of the world. Those who begin to move to the things of the world and they say, no, it's become too tough. No, I can't stop it. 
I am telling you, it's only because they want, they want those things. They love them so they go that way. Because when you allow the Holy Spirit, the power of God through the Holy Spirit is greater than the power of temptation and the power of sin. That is why in Luke 10, earlier, the verses we were dealing with last week, the believers were able to say, Ah, Lord, even demons were subservient to us. They were obedient to us. In your name. And Jesus says, yeah, okay, that's, yeah, that's the reality. He says, that's the reality. I actually saw Satan falling from heaven. Like lightning. He says, that's it. But Jesus says, there is more. And more of this is accessed because your name is written in the book of, in the book of life because you are already in a space where you have chance to access the spiritual resources. Young people, as you interact socially, sometimes you will face temptation. You will face the push and the pull, the pull and the push of worldly things. Jesus said to us through the Apostle John in 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 15, do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. So there is stuff on offer. There are pleasures on offer from the world, from the devil. These things are on offer. But at the same time, there is joy in the Holy Spirit on offer for the child of God. Hallelujah. And when you say no to the offer of Satan, and you say yes to the offer of God, the joy of the Holy Spirit flows and enables you to have power. Now that you will, you're already willing to say no, then you're enabled to have power to say no to ungodliness and to unrighteousness. Titus chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. In the, to live a holy and blameless life in this present world. That's what Titus chapter 2 says. So, do not love this world, nor the things it offers you, for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers you only craving for physical pleasure. Is sin pleasurable? Yes. Do people enjoy sin? Yes, they do. Are the things of this world enjoyable? Yes, they are. And you can carry on to enjoy them if you wish. They are on offer. When as a child of God, you choose to take the offer of the Holy Spirit. Re listen to the remainder here. Something happens. A craving for everything we see, that's a physical pleasure, that's what is in the world. The pride in our achievements and possessions, this is what the world offers. These are not from the Father, but these are from this world. And this world is fading away, along with everything people crave. But anyone who does the will or what God, or what pleases God will live forever. Hallelujah. Everyone who does the will of the Father will live forever or pleases God. So, we have an opportunity to access these spiritual resources. Let me take you back. We're looking at the blessing of joy in personal life as the first item in accessing these spiritual resources. So I'm asking you to really make some decisions today. If you're struggling with temptation, struggling with habits that are evil, don't think you can overcome those things in your own strength. 
What God wants you to do, first of all, is to make a choice. Make a choice that you don't want this stuff. Then he comes in. He can't work to make you make the choice. That's against his will. He created you and I as free moral agents. So he says, choose you this day whom you will serve. So don't go doing evil things and then blame God. Why can't he stop me? He won't stop you. He won't. He will not do that. But when you say, God, I don't want this stuff, then he comes in and gives you power. Somebody shout hallelujah. He gives you power. Now, to even go on and say further, no, to ungodliness and to righteousness. That is the rare power of the Holy Spirit. That is why as a child of God, it is possible to live a victorious Christian life. Husband, you can't continue to be, you know, entertaining affairs and living a loose life, living a lie and so on. You're doing so because you like it, because you love it. If you want to stop, God will help you. But you must decide. Hello? You must decide. Let me tell you, let me take you to another passage. Let's go back to that next slide, which has um, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, mentioned. The Holy Spirit in John 14, verse 16 to 18 is mentioned, the Greek word there, parakletos, means one who walks alongside, an advocate, meaning he walks alongside you, alongside you, he helps you, but the idea of advocate is almost the same arrangement with what is given as the role of Jesus Christ. Well, just essentially, this is God at work. The role of Jesus Christ as an advocate with the Father, standing on your behalf. People in law profession understand what this means. An advocate stands alongside you to do something on your behalf, in your defense. Somebody shout hallelujah. So the Holy Spirit is available as our companion to give you the same joy that Jesus experienced in John, sorry, in Luke chapter 10 and verse number 21. So John chapter 14, verse 16 to 18 is a powerful um, narrative. And it is mentioned Four times, this, this thing, this expression, uh, the Paracletus mention happens four times in uh, John chapter 14. In verse 16, verse 26, uh, twice in chapter 14, then twice, once in chapter 15, verse 26, and then once in chapter 16, verse 7. Now, in the then day, that term Paracletus, was actually understood as a legal term. This was used in reference to a legal advocate. Someone who speaks in a person's defense and provides legal counsel. State counsel, am I correct? Is that not how they they define Am I correct? Yes. State Council confirms that the term advocate points to somebody who comes to walk alongside you, to speak in your defense, and to provide legal counsel. The Holy Spirit is here. He's in your life to walk alongside you. Mr. Mubita, you are able to jump over that chair. Please come.
literary. It's the only time I can get this close to this man. He has a mask, so it's okay. Literary. Alongside. Alongside you. Walking with you. The, the Holy Spirit is alongside you. And as you face stuff around you, he takes time. Now, so you are representing the Holy Spirit. very dangerous to tell this man this kind of thing. Um, so, he takes that role. When stuff is around you and it's against you, the Holy Spirit is moving in to take a stand on your behalf. But at the same time, whispering in your ear and telling you what to do, how to respond, giving you wisdom. Because his role as a helper is to reveal. If you read verse number 26 in uh, John chapter 15, to reveal to the world the issues related to the Lord. Calling attention to judgment. Calling attention to righteousness. Calling attention to the things that really matter. But at the same time, comforting you in your pain. The Holy Ghost is understood as a comforter. That is why there's a great hymn of the church that says, The comforter has come. The Holy Ghost of heaven. The Father's promise given. All spread the tidings round. Wherever man is found, the comforter has come. The Holy Spirit is with you, walking alongside you. As you look at this image here, may that spread some reality in your heart in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. This proximity there's no way I can stand here and continue to preach and not be aware that I have somebody near me. Impossible. Impossible. And that's how real the Holy Spirit is. He's with you. He's around you. He's in you. He's beside you. Alongside you. Your companion for life. A big hand for Mr. Mvita. your companion for life. In this light, you can understand Nehemiah when he says the joy of the Lord is my strength. The people had been through so much. Then Nehemiah announces, okay, go home now. Go home. Settle down. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. That is the kingdom of God. God bless you, beloved. I trust that you will settle to experience this. I want us to handle the last item for the day. Number two, the privilege of revelation. Oh, okay, I'm just in my slide now. Says the privilege revelation. I hope you corrected it there. I hope you saw it and corrected it there. My slide here says the privilege revelation. The privilege of revelation. Now, if we go back to Luke chapter 10 and uh, the last part, at the same time, Jesus was filled with joy of the Holy Ghost and I've talked of the Holy Spirit. And there's more we could say on the power of the Holy Spirit. You know that, but we emphasize what's necessary for today. And he said, oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them 
to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way, revealing them. So I want to discuss the privilege of revelation. Clearly, when you hear a matter presented the way this is presented, you can see that there are some who have this revelation and some who don't. So for those who have, it's a privilege. Are we together? It's a privilege. And I want us to discuss this privilege of revelation. And everyone who knows the Lord is in this privileged set of people. Where revelation has become a blessing you are enjoying. Now, according to this passage, there are many who longed. Look at verse 23 and verse 24. Blessed are, this is now in private. Jesus turned to his disciples. He says, blessed are the eyes that see what you have seen. I tell you that many prophets and kings long to see what you have seen, but they did not see it. You see, many times we squander what we have because we don't understand the privilege that is in our hands. And sometimes it's only when you've lost what you had that you realize what much of, how much of a privilege it was. And we're like that as human beings. Not good at all. Because we'll then live a life of regret. You and I must understand, according to the word of God, there are many who lived before us in the times of the prophets. Kings even, it says, who long to see the things you and I are seeing. The things that the people in Jesus' time were seeing. And they did not. So they and you and I have that privilege. Why? Why? You and I could have been dead. But why are we alive? Why is God giving us this privilege? Many have longed for what we have. Let me show you. In First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse number 10, the Bible says there, and some of you are familiar with this passage because I've used it before. First Peter chapter 1, verse 10. This salvation, and I hope you see the progression. Jesus began to draw their attention to this salvation, this great salvation, in verse number 20. When they were just trigger happy about the spiritual experiences, he says, ah, oh, hold, 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 hold. Wait, he says. There's something much more you should be thinking about. It is the privilege of this great salvation, the privilege of what we're calling revelation here. This salvation was something that even the prophets wanted to know more about. When they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. Oh my God. Do you see what I see? They wondered what time or situation the spirit, capital S, of Christ within them. So in case you're asking, was the Holy Spirit at work? This is evidence of the fact that the Holy Spirit was at work in them. Not just upon, but in them. That's what the scripture is saying. Can you see that? Very powerful. So inside those prophets of old, God's Holy Spirit was at work. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's sufferings and his great glory afterward. They were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. Oh my God. But for you, beloved. For you. For you. And for you. And you must think what it must do to the heart of God when you and I squander this revelation. 
in the fashion that we see it sometimes squandered through carelessness, through familiarity with big things of the kingdom. They were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful that even angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Other versions say even angels long to look into these things. Somebody has sung a song. It's a song that angels can never sing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Angels can sing that song, but you and I can. Oh, I call you, beloved, to awaken to the things that God is calling us to. In the coming week, we'll be deploying um, leaders and so on and doing a number of things and Increasing our level of uh, corporate mobilization for many of us in the kingdom. I want you to take your place and see that God is giving you a privilege to keep you and I busy enough to take the power of the Holy Spirit that is present in our lives and for us to simply transport ourselves to vicinities where people can be able to access the things that God has placed in our lives. Here, Jesus was quoting the passage. When we read Luke 10, that passage that he was quoting is Isaiah 29, verse 14. In Isaiah 29, verse 14, uh, okay, that's First Peter, and you've, we've seen it. In Isaiah 29, verse 14, um, it says, Therefore, once more, I will astound those people who wonder with wonder upon wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligent will perish, will vanish. Now, remember here, Jesus is saying that um, these things have been hidden from those who think themselves wise. Those, those are the ones being described there. And clever. And for revealing them to the childlike. So it means that our attitude must be childlike. When our attitude is childlike, the revelation comes. And when the revelation comes, you and I are empowered for transformation in the society. Somebody shout hallelujah! What a privilege! That's why I can go back to the other song that was done by the choir during worship. Talking about the fact that it's not so much about my voice and my effort, but the fact that he is God without me. Hello? He's God without you and I. But this God gives us a privilege of accessing the Holy Spirit. All right, we must move on. As we talk about the privilege of revelation, let me make uh, a final point. And the final point is that this privilege of revelation, according to the passage we're examining, and we'll deal with it a little more in the coming week. This privilege of revelation is not obtainable through human effort alone. Not obtainable through human effort alone. You see, as human beings, we have one little problem. The little problem we have is that when God opens the door and privileges us to something, we quickly forget about the God who has done this for us and we begin to do things in our own strength. And this is a reminder that no, this is not by works of righteousness. Again, the songs, I don't see that as coincidental. When you hear the songs that were in the worship service, and the special song presented and shared by the choir in ministry, there were tones, things mentioned that are already part of what we're dealing with here. And when I heard some of those things, I said, God, you're so faithful. 
It's the same God who's present when the choir is preparing. It's the same God, he's the same God present when the bishop or whoever the preacher is, is preparing. Because there are some things he wants to say to his people. Somebody shout hallelujah. It's not about your voice, your effort, and my effort. Yes, our efforts are important, but these things are not obtainable by our effort alone. So I do want us to read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. And uh, with this, I will sort of tie this up, but we'll come back to these thoughts because this is critical for our period of, of service. Getting a little warm here. Allow me to do this. I, I know I've been warned before about white as a color in front here for cameras. I'm sorry. I can't help it much. Uh, the experts say that it doesn't balance very well. What can I do? The experts will do what needs to be done to still balance the picture. <laughs> I want us to bring this to a close, beloved, by examining for a short while 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Some very important conversation there. And then uh, we have two slides which I will close. All right. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Um, can you access it in the New Living Translation? Is that easy enough? If not, I will read from mine. But there's something, some emphasis I want in the living, uh, New Living Translation. Okay. While they are finding that there, let me, let, me, let me make that emphasis. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it, know it is the very power of God. As the scripture says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. Again, back to Isaiah, that's connecting back to Isaiah 29, which we read earlier, verse 14. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. New Living Translation. Look at verse 20. So where does this leave the philosopher, the scholar, the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? Could people like to debate God? And people would like to debate you over your belief in God. I have said, don't even dare. It's a waste of time. Yes, you can reason with people, and there are contexts where reasoning, rationalizing something, and having those rational uh, discussions is legitimate. That's why we have a discipline called uh, apologetics, where there is that defense and polemics as well, um, the defense of, of, of the faith. We understand that. However, God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God, in his wisdom, saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. So it's not just by human effort. There is a privilege of revelation here. We must put human effort in its perspective and confine it where it belongs. Don't let it rule your day. When it rules your day, human effort is at the front a direct challenge to who God is. And when you do that kind of direct to, to God and that's what you want, God is gentle. He steps back. He says, all right, have it your way. Because 
the Spirit of God will not wrestle. Will not strive with men. And that is why in 1 Thessalonians, there's a mention of the fact that you and I should not grieve the Holy Spirit. He's gentle. He's personal. But can be grieved. But even when he's grieved, he's not going to come and impinge over your will. You must decide. I must decide. When I decide, he comes along and becomes my advocate. He becomes your advocate. He becomes your guy. Some people think themselves too wise. Who you? Who do you think you are before God? That's what I'm asking. Just your mind. You have a degree, so others do. You have intelligence, so others do. So we can't discover God just with mere intellect and mere philosophizing. This walk with God is by faith. He who comes to God must believe that he is and he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's why faith is a substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. We must be at that place where we humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. Yes, he's given us intellect and knowledge and so on, but those things must be in their place. So God takes his place, which is a higher place. Is this making sense today, beloved? So no mere here for the human effort alone. Not mere human effort alone. Since God in his wisdom saw it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. He has used our foolish preaching to say, not the preaching of foolishness. What, it's not, what the, not the preaching of foolishness. There's people who preach foolishness. No, no, no. It is what our preaching, which people think is foolish. So God is saying, God uses, the Bible is saying, God uses our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven. It is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it is all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. That's why I'm saying this is the privilege of revelation. Hallelujah. The privilege of revelation. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. And Paul says, remember dear brothers and sisters that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the world, the th God, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. And so I want us to, as we think about this, something comes to my mind. Let me position you for that. When I look at the world events today, I think about Mr. Putin. Don't consider these things remote. I think about Mr. Biden. They were on a an hour-long call yesterday. From what we're hearing, probably they didn't make much progress. And I said to, I said to my wife, who does this man think he is? I mean, Putin. How do you and I respond? We must pray that people like that who put wisdom and who put uh, 
their hope in military power. God needs to confound them. And who must do that? You and I must pray. Don't remove yourself to those things. Let me bring it close. I'll tell you why it's touching to my heart. Look at what COVID did and where we are at today. We have so much happening. You have loved ones who get affected. Soon, if that raid happens, you know that it will change the dynamics in this world. And somebody must sit there and say, ah, military power. Why must you and I suffer? Because China, America, and, and Russia cannot agree. This is what the Bible is talking about. This is the wisdom of the world. Trusting in military power. Trusting in political power. Trusting in things that are purely human. And the church of Jesus Christ cannot, should not stay silent. And don't remove yourself from this detail thinking it's far away. You're just watching the news. No, let's get down and pray. Pray. I am praying that God will visit Mr. Putin and help him to understand there are lives of people in Russia and Ukraine that are at stake. You and I must pray that way. Scary? A bit scary, right? bit scary. But that's the role of the church. That's the role of the church. Those things must matter to you and I. And we can make a difference. We can make a difference. The last part. The last part. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you in Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure, holy, and he freed us from sin. Therefore, the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. God has put his church in the world to shape, transform. And we must reach that place where what we do becomes a factor in what's happening on the ground. And God has raised you to do exactly that. So today, we have discussed the privilege. We've discussed the fact that the privilege of revelation cannot be obtained through human effort. But we have also discussed the fact that God has given you and I an opportunity to have blessing, a blessing of joy in your personal life. And these two things, the blessing of joy, the privilege of revelation, obtainable now, experienced now, by you and I. May that be your portion today. I said, may that be your portion today. And accessed only by faith in Jesus Christ. That's why Romans 1 makes it very clear that in the gospel, you and I have found a righteousness. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. For the just shall live by faith. And you are one of those just people. May God bless you, beloved. I want to pause here. We'll pick up the remainder of um, these passages, particularly verses 23 and 24 in the coming week. God bless you and have a great day. I'll ask the choir to come. Please rise. We have discussed 
accessing spiritual resources. And two spiritual resources I've highlighted are the blessing of joy in personal life and the privilege of revelation. And considering the privilege of revelation, we have begun to handle a few things which we will conclude with in the coming week. Given that, we have these two things available for us. Let me invite you to bow your head and close your eyes.